Welcome. I'm Jack Constantine, an undergraduate student at The Ohio State University studying finance. In partnership with the Keenan Center for Entrepreneurship, this interview series will feature student ventures that competed and won Ohio State's first ever President's Buckeye Accelerator. So the first venture we'll be speaking with today is A-Cube Design, and I have Garrett Carter here with me today. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Jack. Appreciate so um, I'd love first you to give some context to the listeners. Who is Garrett? What are you studying at OSU? Kind of what's your main track that you're focusing on besides the venture that we're about to get into? Yeah, so uh, my name is Garrett Carter. I am a going into my fifth year here at Ohio State as a computer science major. Uh, so my venture is called A-Cube Design. We're creating more affordable Braille displays for people. So essentially, you can think of a Braille display as digitally changing Braille. So this is how somebody who is blind would be able to read a, read a digital book or be able to interface with a computer or something of that sort. Awesome. So where did the concept of the idea for this product initially come from? Like where was it you? Was it someone else in your team? How'd that kind of come to fruition? Yeah. So it initially started as we wanted to create more accessible 3D printers from um, a previous nonprofit I helped run. But through kind of taking a step back, focusing on what were the problems that the blindness community is facing, we, we kind of landed on uh, that tackling Braille literacy would be a good thing to go after. Um, so this, this whole kind of pivot we took happened as I was um, staying up late to like 2 a.m. one night, and I had this idea, and I just jotted it down, drew some engineering drawings to try to look at this and see how we could make it technically feasible. Um, and then I talked to my co-founders the next day, and I was like, hey, guys, so how's a major pivot sound for you guys? Um, and we went ahead and did it because uh, we, we thought it would be a great thing that could solve a lot of problems that people are facing. Awesome. I want, I want to kind of go back in time a little bit. What were your expectations going into joining uh, the Presidential Buckeye Accelerator? Sure. So um, I honestly didn't know what to expect coming in. It was very – I don't want to say vague, but we – submitted a video as to like what we were going to do and what we were interested in. And then we showed up and we found out that we were going to do a pitch and it was going to be in front of a bunch of people. And we were going to go down from like 36 or 37 teams all the way down to six. And we were able to make it through. So how did you find your team? Was it like, was it natural? Yeah. So I originally met my team through uh, a nonprofit we started called C3D. We do 3D printed models for people who are blind as an educational resource. So originally in my freshman year, I met a girl named Caroline in a dining hall. And uh, we wanted to, um, I wanted to fix her website because they had kind of an outdated website. And I eventually ended up just sticking around with them. And we found a place called the Innovation Studio where we did um, several series of pitch to kind of secure funding and keep going with that organization. And through that, I was able to meet a lot of people who are blind and work at the local school here in Columbus. And then furthermore, when we started A-Cubed, we wanted to get more funding to uh, start up a new idea and a new company uh, that could kind of be more of a for-profit side type thing and be able to solve these bigger challenges that are being faced by the industry at large. Can you speak to the importance of having a co-founder that not, not only believes in your concept of what you're building together, but also has trust and believes in, in you and each other as kind of a, a team um, in the first place. Yeah, that's really important. Uh, the, the co-founders you choose and 
what their capabilities are. Um, we So A-Cube Design stands for Accessible, Affordable, Accelerated Design, right? So we kind of broke it up into uh, the name, into what roles each of us are taking on. Um, so for context about my team, um, Caroline, I've worked with her since the beginning of C3D, my freshman year. And then I met Enan in my sophomore year, who's my other co-founder. And so we kind of each grouped ourselves into one of those letters based on what our skills and expertise are that are kind of complementary to each other. So Caroline falls under the accessible angle as her um, kind of love and dream is accessibility and being a teacher for those who are visually impaired. Um, so she does that best in talking and working with the users and you know making sure whatever product we make is gonna be best for them. And Enan focuses on the affordability side of things. His background is in economics and business. So it really makes sense when we're talking to investors and things like that to have, to have him around um, and have him working because he's very useful. Um, and then myself, um, I represent the affordable side of things. Being an engineer, we have to constantly find ways we can cut costs without cutting corners and, and kind of finding the best way we can build this thing. So coming together, the three of us, we make an excellent team. We've worked through a lot of kind of trials and tribulations through the last three years that have brought us to who we are now and ultimately enabled us to be able to win. Awesome. What about, what about leadership? So you have everyone on your team has their individual unique technical background that you just um, perfectly outlined for me. Do you think there were experiences that you had, whether it be Ohio State or pre-Ohio State, that really prepared you for a leadership position and be able to have not only effective communication, but to be able to make big decisions, like making a massive pivot during a competition that led to your success? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think with, with you know, taking leadership in that scenario, it, it was really about doing what was not necessarily most popular, but about doing what made the most sense. We were looking at this accessible 3D printer idea we had, and I, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm not going to make this happen within uh, $50,000. We were learning about market size, and we were looking at, well, okay, so the market of 1.3 million blind people in the U.S., it's even a smaller market, the amount of them who are interested in STEM-related fields. So instead, why don't we, char why don't we take... Um, why don't we take leadership and try to solve the bigger problem they're facing, which is braille literacy and technology skills. And then once we build up those things in them, then we can start focusing on these STEM ideas that we want to do because then we can grow our market to be of that size to be able to do that. Awesome. So when you, when you went through Boost Camp, it was a, a seven-week kind of um, sort of intensive thing because each week had certain kind of tasks that you needed to get done on top of actually creating, whether it be a prototype, talking to your team about what you're actually going to do with your venture, there are plenty of things you had to do with um, the market, deciding what your actual problem was. Like, what was your experience, whether it be with your, um, your kind of executive in residence and that kind of week-to-week -week work? Like, how was that experience for you personally? Yeah, that experience was amazing. Um, our XIR, Scott, our executive in residence, we met with him once a week, and he gave us a ton of ideas and validation and really helped us take what was initially like, we just want to build this thing to what's going to be investable, what, how can we serve the market, what's going to make people want to buy this, what, what is the best product we can build for the people who want these things. And especially as an engineer myself, we're often taught to kind of just solve the problems. And 
so going through this competition, it really made me take the whole six or seven weeks that it was and sit there and kind of focus on how can we solve this. Let's go talk to people who are facing this. Let's go, let's go get out in the market and figure out what we can do to best service these people. And then, only then can we design it. Um, so as far as prototyping went, we really tried to stay hands off of prototyping during that and really just focus on what we could, what we could make best. And then the opportunity opened up when the uh, Make Ohio competition happened, I believe in February. Um, we went and we spent 24 hours doing one cell of a braille display. Um, so one cell is basically like one character on a keyboard you can think of that changes. Um, and we were able to take fourth place with that um, between just Ian and I hacking it out in 24 hours. And that really helped us in the end with our pitch and things like that. Um, also talking about war, um, markets, uh, we met with Warner and he he put us through the ringer and said, you know, let's let's validate this market. Is is this really as big as it needs to be? How can we grow this? Is this is this an investment grade market? And so we really had to go through with a fine tooth comb and get good numbers to know, really get to know the people that we're going to be servicing. And what's, what's really interesting is um, you mentioning not only Scott, but also Warner and the work you did on your own. And you kind of, you took the advice of the cohort and said, let's put away prototyping for now and focus on making sure that our idea is going to work with the market, is going to work with the problem that we're trying to solve and the people that relate to that market. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like an opportunity like Boost Camp is very much a what you put into it, you will get out of it. It seems like your team specifically was able to focus on getting the advice of multiple XIRs and using those resources as much as possible. And they were there for you and you kind of just took advantage to the fullest extent. Absolutely. Yeah. In, in this program, I think it's super important to take advantage of all the resources. And I think if we didn't do everything we can and put every ounce of effort, we would have never made it as far as we did. We were, you know, cross-checking the things we were saying with Scott, with Warner and back and forth and, and talking to these people and building these relationships and really taking the time to do this the right way. It was, it was a ton of work, but it all ended up paying off in the end. You're what, you're what we called uh, a student entrepreneur or whatever the term you want to kind of coin <laughs> that they've said to us many times. Talk about that, that time management and that balance because, um, of course, different ventures spent different amounts of time on their product. But speak to your own personal experience and not only how much time you put in, but how you kind of went about managing your, your life, your venture, and also just being a good student. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was very difficult because... I was, sometimes I was, you know, five hours a week. Sometimes I was doing 20 to 30 hours a week for the venture. It really depended on how heavy my school load was and things like that. So I think one thing that's really important is to have solid co-founders because that's the best way you're going to manage your time. When you're having a heavy, stressful week and you can't make time for things, you say, hey, Enan, hey, Caroline, can you take care of this for me? And so kind of moving on from that, I had, I actually, I didn't do super well at managing my time within it. I, the day after we won the money, I was super excited and I woke up and I was failing my systems two class. And I was like, crap, I need to, I need to get all my stuff because I need to be a student in good standing, especially if I'm going to stay in this program. I was luckily able to turn it around and pass the class and we're all good. But it's, it's definitely something you have to define for yourself well as a student who is going to be an entrepreneur. Because oftentimes you'll get home from your classes and things like that. And the only thing on your mind is your venture. 
and you just want to work and chip away at everything that needs to get done for your venture. But unfortunately, sometimes you have to exercise that restraint and do the schoolwork and really take the time and put the energy because that's ultimately what we're all here for. Was that difficult for you to like put on kind of the 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 brakes and say like hold up let's let's take a take a step back and and focus on like what's priority in this current moment yeah absolutely it you know because ultimately in my own head I think a cubed was my number one priority and so school needed to be my number one priority but luckily I was able to to do both and and make it work awesome I want to have you kind of highlight we talked about more of your, your co-founders and your experience with the XIRs. But what's really unique is that entrepreneurship is very lonely. Even if you have a co-founder, it's kind of like your best bud in action and that's it. And that's kind of who you talk to on a daily basis, then customers, um, and anyone that's giving you advice. But there was a unique opportunity with the Boost cohort to have a community behind you. And even though we knew that only however many, 10 was going to make it to the second round right. and then six would actually win um, – the competition, everyone kind of rallied around each other and, and helped and had a great conversation. Can you speak to how the community affected you and what you were able to like get a value from that community? Yeah, I there was a lot of value in that community. Um, starting from the very beginning, I, I was nervous going into the first session. I'm like, what are these other people going to be like? Is, is it going to be super competitive? Is it going to be... The competition was fierce, but I think the thing that was more powerful than the competition itself was the collaboration that went on there. Everybody you talked to wanted to hear what you were doing, wanted to work with you, wanted to just talk. And because when you're there, it is one of the very few times in college that you are in a room with people that are dedicated entrepreneurs who are going through the same things you're going through and working their butts off to try to make their dreams a reality. And ultimately what kind of happened in the end with this being a competition and only 10 people making it through to the final pitch and six winning was I was sad for the teams that didn't win because these were people I was talking to through the whole competition and, you know, cheering them on telling me, Oh, here's this opportunity. Here's that opportunity. And that was kind of difficult because you really, you want to see everybody win there, but they can't. And, and there were so many great ventures and great teams that were really, really just going at it and giving their all. Awesome. I want to kind of let you tell the story a little bit. And so you find out you get in the top 10. Of course, it's crunch time. That was right around spring break and everyone yeah. may, might be staying home, might be vacation, whatever it may be. But it was crunch time to kind of get your media training, get everything fine-tuned and fine-polished to make that final pitch um, a reality. And so what was going through your head kind of before that big day where you were in front of a couple hundred people um telling them what your kind of venture was about and having them try to believe in you and your product. Right. That that two weeks was a difficult two weeks because I I was there like trying to prepare for this thing because it was it was just a, a shock to hear the message because, you know, thinning from thirty six down to ten, that's, you know, roughly twenty five percent odds. And so when we made it through, we were ecstatic, but there was also this kind of realization like, we got to go get up in front of 150 people. We need to refine X, Y, and Z if we're really going to make it through and really do this. And we spent hours, just nights, you know, getting a mentor on the call and pitching in front of them. And they give us advice. We refactor, run it again, and just 
in that flow, doing it, doing it, doing it. And the thing, the thing that was kind of difficult for me, when we did the media training, they ended up telling us that they only wanted one person to pitch. And our whole plan was to do a team pitch to really showcase how well our team works together and the kind of flow we have. And so I had to go from like, I have my three slides to perfect, perfected to like, okay, in two days, I'm doing this entire thing alone and I need to memorize everything. And, and I, we actually did pretty well. I was, I was proud of how well I did that uh, when we recorded that video. And we ended up in the final um, pitch. We pitched as a team. But it was very nerve-wracking getting up in front of that many people, not just because all your friends and family, all the people you're working for are there, but you're also in a competition. You're trying to win. You're trying to be competitive as hell and get every little advantage you can. And you have you know people from the top ventures in town standing right in front of you, taking notes and asking, asking questions, trying to grill and figure out, you know, what, what's, what's the holes in this thing. And it, I was so nervous when I first went out there, I forgot to click past the title slide. And one of my co-founders like gave me a nudge. I was like, what the slides, dude? <laughs> but it, it was a great experience. It definitely helped me get more comfortable, you know, speaking in front of people, being able to go on interviews like this and things like that. Awesome. And then, so you gave the pitch, uh, you thought you did well, but did you think that like you were you were gonna make it into that top six? I did not know. I I was sitting there, and after I gave it, I was like, "Heck yeah, we got this!" And then I went out and I watched more pitches. We were originally told that we weren't gonna be able to watch the other people pitch, and it got in my head a little bit because I saw like these amazing pitches, and I'm like, "These guys are going through. These guys are going through. Where do we fit in here? Like, what?" Where do we fall? And honestly, like by the time judging came, I'm like, I have no clue what's going to happen. This is anybody's game. And we were the first names they announced in no particular order. I'm not like, yeah, we. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Um, th that was the biggest relief being told first because I was just like, heck yes. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't remember who it was that was number six. I think it might have been Holocron. Yeah, 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 it was. But. I was just standing there, like, biting my nails, like, who are they going to announce? Like, yeah, it, it was anybody's game at that final 10. So so what th went through your mind when you heard the name of your venture called as one of the six winners? I was, I was ecstatic. I, you know, ultimately what was running through my mind is my freshman year, I came into the innovation studio, and I met Jen Schlegel, one of the previous winners, and... Her and I have been kind of on and off friends. We've gotten a little closer in the last year. But I looked up to her, and I was like, holy cow. She, she's a President's Prize fellow. And I was just in awe of what I had kind of accomplished and how far I had came that I could be receiving a very similar award um, to her. Awesome. So did you have – you mentioned, like, friends and family. Like, who would you have in the crowd? Like, who were you able to share – kind of experience with and, and your team? Like, what was that kind of communal moment like? Yeah, so we had, um, between Caroline, Enan, and I, we had, uh, my parents were there, and Caroline's parents were there. Enan's parents weren't able to make it in from Chicago. And then we had one of the first blind people we ever met there as well. And so they got to see the pitch, and we showed them our prototype after the end. It was great. So you experienced kind of this euphoric moment right after uh, you win, and then, of course, you knew that the next day, you kind of realized <laughs> right, that yeah. you had that, that tough grade that you had to get up. But when it came to specifically the venture and, and looking through that lens, like what was your plan? All of a sudden you have um, this 
this amount of funding that you're able to apply in the future. Like, what was your was your plan for the future, and how kind of is that going so far? We're a couple months removed. Like, what is kind of your next steps of what you want to accomplish in the very near future? Right. So, speaking to kind of the day after, and when I was you know working and getting my grades up and stuff, like that week after, it was still just like, what is my life? I just I just pulled this thing off that like we worked our butts off for. And so I, I was kind of like, I just kind of got this paralysis for a second of like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And luckily pretty quick, I was able to get that back and be like, okay, we've been, we've been planning for the last six weeks, you know, it's time to go, go, go. So now what that looks like now, we're in a bit of a design sprint. So we have a conference coming up. Uh, you can think of it like if you've ever heard of DEF CON, like it's kind of like DEF CON, but for blindness. Um, so it's, uh, it's called the National Federation for the Blind. They put on this national convention every year. So we're in a design sprint to get out uh, kind of an iteration to show people and get some more feedback and get some more people interested and hyped up about what we're doing, as well as um, from that, we're kind of trying to apply. I don't know if you've read The Lean Startup. Uh, they talked about it a lot in Boost Camp, recommended a lot of great readings during that. And they talked about kind of fail fast, fail forward, and test as many little things as you can. So we're including as many tiny little tests as we can on that so people can feel it and can kind of know, okay, I like this, I don't, and we can get that initial feedback. Like even if we can't get every little thing working, every little feature that we need to do, then we can test and move forward and and keep iterating. And that's ultimately what we built our business model off of as well is really keeping the consumer in mind. And at every step and iteration of the design process, going out and doing testing and getting these people interested. Awesome. I have a, this may seem like a very, a very vague question, but I'm, I'm just genuinely interested. Like what motivates you? What, what drives kind of your passion behind this idea in the first place? Right. So I, I get this question a lot, this, or, you know, do you have like a family member or something who's blind? And ultimately when this started for me, it was just simply, I wanted to help a friend out who I met. And then through volunteering and working with the kids at the blind school, you get to make all of these personal connections with people who often have been forgotten by society and people who you can start a venture and you can help these people and you can make the world a better place through the products we're building and the things we're doing. And that's, that's ultimately what motivates me is to give these people opportunities that they never had before. Was entrepreneurship something that you always wanted to do, or is that something you kind of stumbled upon as you grew older? Yeah, yes and no. This is it's kind of a weird answer for me on this one. I've I've pondered this a lot. I've I've always wanted to as a kid. Like when I was like sixteen, I tried to start a t-shirt business. It flopped because I don't want to entirely bring my friend, but we weren't on the same terms as co-founders. Um, but. We, we, we tried to start a t-shirt business, didn't really end up working. And then there was C3D. I also uh, just did some random pitches and projects kind of throughout college to the innovation studio. Um, some that ended up flopping, some that stuck like C3D. And we went through, I think like six or seven pitches was that with them. And so ultimately it's something that I plan to continue doing, but I, I never really knew. I, I, thought it, I thought it could be a pathway for me but I, I wasn't sure if it would fit me. And at this point, I, I definitely think I would like to continue to be an entrepreneur. And I'm excited to see what this venture holds for the future. And I hope this can kind of launch my career as an, oper- as an 
that launched my career as an entrepreneur off. Awesome. I kind of want to give, there's someone that may be listening to this right now that is either an Ohio State student, but going to be an Ohio State student, or they're a grad student, whatever it may be, and they have an idea or or an inkling of an idea. Uh, What's your advice to them, um, whether or not they decide to join the next Boost cohort, um, what's your kind of advice to that person looking to bring their concept to kind of center stage like you've been able to accomplish so far? Right. So I would say first and foremost, if if you want to start a venture, find co-founders. Find people who you can help delineate work to and get involved and get excited about your idea. Because without co-founders and without more people, it is so difficult to do things alone. I've tried starting businesses before on my own, and it's so much more difficult than when you have people by your side who are going through this journey with you, especially as a student entrepreneur. Because like I said earlier, you have these opportunities to when you're extremely busy and you have a lot going on to pass things off to them and say, hey, can you take this meeting? Can you handle this? I am too backlogged right now. And so that's really important. Definitely come join the next PBA cohort. Whether you make it through all the way to the end or it falls off after the first pitch, no matter what happens, you're going to get amazing business knowledge. You're going to grow as a person and you're going to meet a ton of new connections and great mentors. So no matter whether you win or lose, PBA still becomes an amazingly valuable thing that really grows you as a person a lot. I, I had to really focusing, focus in on networking and getting my name out there and talking to every venture in the room and meeting new people, and it was a great experience. And the beautiful thing is that next year, because you're going to be going through your individual, like now you're in the kind of the first iteration of this, um, the PBA Final Six, you'll kind of be there for the next cohort, um, the next uh, kind of boost camp, and you'll be there. People will be able to ask you questions and talk to you as right. kind of the golden goose in the room and, <laughs> and pick your brain. So um, everyone out there who's thinking about it, you'll have access to, to Garrett as a resource as well. So Yeah, when I'm when I'm there, feel free to come and talk to me. Um, if, I, if I have to miss a session and you don't see me, you know, ask somebody, find my email and talk to me. I'm always willing to help out other people who are trying to get started in this or trying to trying to make meet new people, make new connections, just need questions answered. That, that's that's ultimately the best way as an entrepreneur you can learn to do things is just by asking other people because you can save yourself, you know, five hours of research if you just go talk to your mentor and say, you know, for example, one thing we ran into today, what's the best tax accounting system? And now we save four hours of research we were going to do. And just by talking to somebody who, who, who's done this a time or two before. Uh, the, the last question I have for you today, Garrett, um, is a unique one because we, we've talked about so many experiences and so many, so many awesome stories about um, your experience, not only with PBA, but with your co-founders and with kind of you developing the iterations um, of your business and your venture. Um, and so I ask you this possibly difficult question of, what do you think your favorite experience um, and memory from uh, the PBA Boost Camp was? Man, there's so many of them. It's hard to pick. Um, so I would I would say the number one experience, uh, number one favorite experience was one of the sessions before we did it. Um, they they did these little things beforehand to to kind of warm us up. If you remember those, yeah. So. Yeah. One day we were, um, they played the song Happy before it because they were trying to get everybody loose. 
and one of the mentors or I, I don't remember who it was their child was on zoom and they were they were dancing in the background and getting down to it they they did it too they split it up so half the people had to sing and half the people had to dance and it was it just got me so warmed up and loose and ready to go and um i really like those things because you know being that like i was trying to put myself out there and make new connections and do those things having those nice little warm-up activities just to get loose do them with random people you've never met before it's great to get you kind of going i'd say next favorite was when we were practicing our pitch because there were so many like stupid little funny mess ups we had and and little things where you're just repeating this thing for hours and hours on end trying to perfect it trying to find the perfect words to use and you end up saying like one word wrong every time and then you're like crap i did that and you it, it's 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 just great to refine because you know it's it's an excellent exercise in public speaking as well and getting more comfortable doing that yeah both both the icebreakers and the pitch practice is one of the most humbling experiences one can go through because you realize number one nobody cares how goofy you look if you're all doing the same thing at the same time (laughs) and number two with like when it comes to the public speaking is that your brain is not as kind of fine-tuned as you'd like it to be and so it takes a lot of practice like to get those words down exactly how you want to say them but it's worth it in the end and and you did an amazing job and you're able to kind of win the competition so congrats to you thank you yeah i think there were a lot of uh, other great moments too like you know, I, I, it, one thing I just wanted to mention because it was it was just hilarious. Before the final pitch event, like everybody, all ten teams are in this backstaging area together, and everybody is just so nervous. And it was just hilarious to like look around and see everybody's like kind of stress coping mechanisms, if you will, the way everybody's trying to calm themselves down before they go out there. You know, some people are reciting their their pitch. Some people have music on and they're just dancing around. Some people are reading. Like it, it was just. It was just crazy because we're just all like nervous and freaking out because we're about to do this thing. And then like everybody just has this huge sigh of relief once it's over. And it it was just a great experience. Awesome. Well, Garrett, thank you so much for coming in today and uh, being able to kind of share your story and talk to me and hopefully inspire someone else to join um, the PBA Boost Camp in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, Jack. I appreciate it. All right. That's all we have today. Um, Look forward to the next venture that we'll be interviewing.